Good morning. Thanks, Joe. It prompted some time ago, probably six months of reading uh, Max Licardo's Cure for the Common Life, and was really impressed. This, I think that's where it came from. Anyway, there's a story in there about forgiveness, and I'm going back into uh, early in the year around Easter, but also after that time we started doing the Alpha Parenting and. It started to speak to me and, and, and opened all of this stuff up that uh, there was forgiveness and perhaps there was unforgiveness but it, I'm going to continue with that in a minute but it, it just prompted this story and it's, it's just something I, I think I need to talk about and maybe it's my story, maybe it's just my story, maybe it touches some of you as well. In Matthew 6.12 I'm sure we all know that part of the Lord's Prayer is to forgive our sins as we forgive others. And we pray that, and we pray that fairly frequently. Some of us pray it daily, some more often. And, but do we really understand what it means? Do we, do we really act that out? It's easy to say the words, but, but do we understand the implication of, of what it means to forgive others and, and to be forgiven? We spend a lot of time and money in prayer ministry seeking out those whom we need to forgive and, and people who have caused us grief and pain in the past and we, and we go through forgiveness prayers and a, a ritual I suppose and, and we start that process of healing but there's cases of, of, where people have committed what we say is the, the unforgivable stuff and if we, if we forgive them are we saying that what you did is okay? Are we saying that what was, what was done to us, that anything that caused us pain, it, was that okay or was it not? And people who, who do stuff against us, it, it's not okay, but we can still forgive. The crime that was committed is not okay, but we can still forgive without saying it was. How do we live a life that's based in forgiveness? Forgiveness is only part of the process, but it's, it's the first step and it's a vital step. How, how great would it be to live in a world where forgiving came naturally, a world where the first, our first instinct was not to be offended, to not be hurt. I believe that's what God's desire is for us, is his wish for how we are to live our lives that we can live this life where we don't have to think to forgive anyone. It just comes naturally. It just happens. Mark 11.25 says that when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. So if something comes to you, some ill that's happened through the week, whatever, and you, you think you need to forgive someone, forgive them. and you're far, It's a start of that process. It doesn't say we have to go and find the person and forgive them. It doesn't say we have to go back to them. It just says forgive. It says when you stand praying and you're holding on to anything, forgive. There's a couple of people there out of stories that have really stuck with me and, and hold some, some resonance and... 
the Spaffords. I don't know whether of you would know the name or not. Some will, some won't. Horatio and Anna, they were well known in 1800s in Chicago. He was a prominent lawyer and an elder in the Presbyterian Church. They were close friends with and supporters of Dwight Moody, who was an evangelist of the time. He'd invested heavily in real estate in a expanding Chicago in 1871. A great fire of Chicago reduced the city to ashes in October of that year, and they basically lost everything. Not much time after that, scarlet fever took the life of their four-year-old son. Two years later, in 1873, he decided with his family to take Anna and his daughters, they should take a holiday in Europe because life was just closing in on them. They chose England, knowing that their friend Moody would be speaking there in, in the autumn of that year. He was delayed because of business, so he sent the family his wife and their, their four daughters, Anna and Margaret, Elizabeth and Tanita, on ahead. On the 22nd of November 1873, while their ship was crossing the Atlantic, it was run into by another ship and sunk. 226 people lost their lives, including the four daughters. She sent a telegram on arriving in England saying, saved alone. Horatio caught up with Anna in England and they continued their lives together. And this is the bit that really gets me. They continued their lives together. Quite often in those situations, people blame each other. They blame God. They blame everyone else. But though they left the church, it seems their faith never failed. They had more children, a son and two more daughters. And they lost that son also on scarlet fever. He was age three. They moved to Israel and started a community there that was known as the American Colony, which continued for many years um, on into the Second World War, where it was a refuge for you know, people who were uh, in, in flight. So what has that life got to do with forgiveness? How often we see personal tragedy strikes and we blame. It's obviously not their case. Their lives continued. They knew peace that comes from a life where forgiveness is the foundation. How do we know? So when Horatio was crossing the Atlantic Ocean to England, near the spot where the tragedy had struck, he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. They're the words of a man who knew the peace that God brings, a peace that comes from living a life in forgiveness. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. How's your soul? Are you living a life in peace or a life that's broken in pieces? You hear people say that they can't forgive what's been done to them, but they don't see that they're living their lives stuck in bitterness and how it consumes them 
it consumes their thoughts and in a lot of cases it affects their health. Unforgiveness steals your peace. Unforgiveness and peace cannot live in the same place. We all have stuff in our past that affects how we view our future. Some of it's good and some of it's not so good. I said earlier, going, going through a process of discovery over the last few months, I was experiencing negative reactions in situations that I just didn't understand. It came out of, as I say, this book with Max Licardo and going through the, the uh, Alpha Parenting course. And it just, there was stuff that just didn't sit well with me. It just disturbed me. That. Uh, First, I'll explain. I was born in a good Christian home. I don't want anyone to think I was mistreated or abused. My mum and dad were good people. But I got to a point, and learning to understand my early family dynamic helped me understand why I acted and felt certain ways in certain situations. I was aware of a subconscious negative belief and aware where it came from. And I'd been through the forgiveness process. I'd been through it several times and hold no one accountable. But I had, had I forgiven myself? I've had to undo the negative beliefs that I'd built, beliefs that started when I was five or six, and then rebuild my understanding of who I am based on God's truth about me. I had to accept God's forgiveness for me. I know the verses that say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but in my mind, in my subconscious, that didn't apply to me. That was someone else. The stuff that was said to me when I was five or six. I don't want to go into my family background, but when I was five, when I started school, there's things that were said to me that I took as, that's who you are. You'll never achieve anything. You'll never become anything. You'll never amount to anything. And I, I lived that, and that's what I based my life on. It, would, it took a lot to get away from that. But then there's other stuff. So, so then why, when I encountered situations, did I react? I react with anger, the depression. I had a desire to harm people desire to even harm myself. Why? I was able to identify a pattern of self-destructive behaviour across my life. Not that it was major, but it was there. And I, I got to a point where it had to stop. And this is, this is only a few months ago. I wasn't going to walk away from another job. I'm too old to start again. So I'd need to get to the bottom of it and find out why. And through counselling I got to understand that stuff. I understand that I'd filed away negative memories from my childhood. And when I was faced with similar situations, I would react in a way as an adult as to how I would when I was a child. There's some crap I had to undo. <laughs> with the power of the one who loves me, I'm getting through it. If I change my belief structure, especially about who I am, then my behaviour will change, my reactions will change, 
and I'll be one step closer to the person that God's designed me to be. I can't change my past. That's written in history. I can't change the stuff that family members said to me or had me believe when I was a child. That's written in history. doesn't mean I don't love them. doesn't mean I haven't forgiven them. I have and I do love them. There's no, I've got no issues with that. But it's, it's about this stuff that's in here, about this, what I've believed. And it's going through this process of accepting the Father's forgiveness for me. I can't change those who influence my current situation, whether they're people that I deal with here or people through work or, or wherever it is in family situations. I can't change that. They are who they are and they'll behave how they behave. But I can change how I react to them when I'm squeezed. I have control over that. So forgiveness comes, then accepting forgiveness, then understanding how I can apply it. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff I wish was different and I, I can't change it. But I can get to a place where I can see it all with a different perspective and then I can view the past with love. We've gone to the point, and this has probably come maybe prompted out of Chatterbox, I'm not sure, but I've come to a position where I've got a couple of verses on my, above my desk at work. 1 Corinthians 13.3 if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And it reminds me to base what I'm doing on love. Not on reacting to negative situations, not on reacting to stuff that goes on around me, but I can base my, my self on what I do, on my reaction based on love. And the second passage that I've got there is to remind me what love is. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. Is that love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast and is not proud. Love is not rude and not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil, and rejoices with truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never gives up. And when I feel the pressure... I just run through that. And what is love? Be patient. Be kind. Be forgiving. Don't react rudely. Don't react. Don't keep all the, the, the record of what someone says against you. Don't react to it. Don't go back in anger. I'm reminded of God's love and how to live with God's love. So what's changed is my understanding of who I am and what God says about me. God loves me. God loves me. God loves you. All of you. Not for what you do. Not for what you are. Just because you are. Not for the things you that you've stuffed up, you think, oh, we, we feel sometimes we're unworthy because we, we make mistakes, we drop into sins, we have thoughts, whatever it is, God still loves us. He loves me as I am, warts and all. So all that stuff I learned about myself when I was five was a lie. 
I'd filed false memories. I'd built false, a false building of myself. It's good to forgive those who sold me those lies. It's great. But I needed to change my understanding of myself from a base of lies to an understanding of the love that God has for me, a new understanding of who I am. This brings up Romans 12 too. We're not to conform to what the world says about us. Don't believe the lies, but be transformed by believing what God's truth is about you. Renew your mind. So we don't conform to what the world says. Don't conform to the way of the world. But be transformed and conform to God's truth. Colossians 2.20 says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why as though you still belong to it do you submit to its rules? That's all died. That's gone with the cross. We live in God's love. What probably was the basis of this inspiration of a forgiveness thing is another example of a life lived in forgiveness. I'll probably finish up around this, but John 13. It's a story we all know. And, and it's usually one that's told with a thing about humility. But I saw it written with a, an attitude to forgiveness. And I thought, wow, it is too. The Jesus, John, John 13, 1 to 17, I'll read the passage. But Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own, own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean. Not, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have just done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Not that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your... Sorry, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed to your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who set him. 
Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so we normally look at this passage as an example of servanthood and humility. But if you look deeper, forgiveness shines. We know that God is all-knowing. We know that he knows the hairs on your head. He knows your life, though you have choice, but he knows what your life may turn out to be. Doesn't it follow that Jesus also knew what was going to happen in his future? Did he know that Judas was going to betray, betray him? In verse 2, that Jesus washed his feet. Did he know that Peter would deny knowing him? Jesus? Jesus who? I don't know who you're talking about. Jesus washed his feet. Did he know that Thomas was going to doubt him when he was raised? And say, I'm not going to believe him unless I put my hands in the scars, the holes in his hands and feel his side. Jesus washed his feet. And it also says in scripture that the others were going to be scattered like, like chickens. They were going to run when, when it got tough. And he washed their feet too. How can Jesus wash the feet of those who he knew was going to do those things to him? How could he do that? He had to forgive them. And we look at forgiveness as being something that we do after the act. But Jesus forgave Judas, Peter, Thomas and others before the act. And he knew it was going to happen. Put yourself in Jesus' position. Could you show enough love to show kindness to someone who you knew was going to betray you? Could you show enough love to someone who is going to doubt you, question your integrity? Could you show love and forgiveness to someone who you thought was going to make life difficult for you at work or in your workplace, in your school, wherever? Could you still treat them with love though you knew that they were going to do something to betray you? Jesus did. Forgave them before the deed. So when we approach a life with love as described in Corinthians 13, we grow one step closer to the person God designs us to be. As hard as it seems it could be, it's possible. We unpack those lies that have been told us, those evils that have been done us, we can live one step closer to the person that God desires us to be. If we take a challenge out over the coming weeks and coming up to Christmas when it's a, a time when our families get together, that we extend and stretch ourselves to show more love. Extend and stretch ourselves to ourselves to show more forgiveness and live a life based in the forgiveness that Jesus desires and God desires us to do, to have.